Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And the topic that we're covering in the series, the goal that we want to reach, and this weekend we're going to have the opportunity to kind of wrap some things up, and for now, anyway, for now, say for now, okay, because we'll be continuing on this topic in the future, is the, the word consecration, consecration. Turn to somebody and say consecration. Now, I know it, it sounds like a religious word. It sounds like a super spiritual word. It sounds like a word that's like, oh, gosh, does that mean I have to do something? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You have to say yes. You have to be willing. Consecration, I'm going to review for a little bit, and then we're going to get into the new material and then finish this up this weekend. Amen? Consecration, the act of dedicating something or someone for a special use. It usually refers to or pertains to our consecrating ourselves unto God. Amen? Uh, Romans chapter 12, I want to read to you from the Passion Paraphrase. Beloved friends, what should our proper response be to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices. Remember, he wants living sacrifices. He doesn't want dead sacrifices, amen? He can't do much with dead sacrifices. And go on and go on, it says, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. That's what consecration is all about. Our getting ourselves to the place where we're more concerned about delighting the heart of God than we are about experiencing our own desires. Amen? Got real quiet there. We didn't like that one. For this becomes our genuine expression of worship. Worship is, is giving our, ourselves to God, is to laying our life down for him and allowing him to use us. Paul is saying when you realize and when you constantly keep yourself aware of the fact that what God has done, what Jesus has done for us, it's easy then to lay your life down for him. Amen? It's, it's when we forget what Jesus endured, when we forget how he suffered on the cross, when we forget that he, the king of the universe, who could do anything he wants, decided to come to this earth to live a life that was spotless and blameless and without sin with the ultimate purpose of being, of being to sacrifice himself on the cross so that you and I could come into the presence of God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. Come on. When you stir yourself up in these things, it's easy to say, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going there. No, I'm not watching this. No, I'm not participating in that. Why? Why? Because God just doesn't want you to have fun? No, because he knows when we live a life that's consecrated unto him, we step into the supernatural power of God. I'm getting ahead of myself. So hold on. God is faithful to complete this work that he's begun in us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We understand, this again is review, that God is the one who has committed himself to us, that if we will willingly put ourselves in his hands, he will be the one that will help us do the consecrating. Listen to this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, consecrate you, set you apart completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he who calls you is faithful Thank God for these next few words. Who also will what? Come on, say it with me. Who also will do it. Amen. He'll do it if we'll cooperate with him. Amen? We know that in his eyes, we've already, we're already perfect. Those of us that are born again, 
those of us that have given ourselves to, to, to him, those of us that have received Christ as Lord and Savior, at that split second when you said, Jesus, I believe in you, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, instantaneously, our spirit became perfect in his sight. It's not anything we can brag about because it's, it's everything that Jesus did, amen? Now, now listen to this scripture. We talked a lot about this last week, Hebrews 10, 14. If you weren't here, please go and listen to the message. For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So without spending a lot of time, my spirit, my spirit, go like this, say, my spirit, my spirit's perfect in his sight. My soul, go like this, not so much. So your spirit's perfected, but your soul is being sanctified. It's a process. Isn't it awesome that he didn't leave us the way we were? And there's still hope for improvement in the future. Say, well, I don't know. I'm not doing that good tonight. That's okay. You're still alive. You're still breathing. Amen. You still got time. You're still in his hands. He's still sanctifying. He's still consecrating. He's still setting you apart. Amen? Amen. Turn to somebody and say, thank God. Thank God. So consecration is important because it is a way that I establish Jesus Christ as Lord over my life. Remember, we talked about this over the past two weeks. Jesus made himself savior over your life and my life when he died on the cross. But he not only desires to be savior, he also desires to be Lord. And you see, he can't make himself Lord over your life. That would make him a tyrant. That would make him a dictator. That would break the whole idea of love because he's love. He is love. And because he is love, he can't shove himself in your face. He can't make himself to be Lord over your life. You and I have to do that. We've got to say, be my Lord. I, I bow before you. I, I, I lay before you everything that I want to do with my life. Everything, everything that I want to experience, I lay before you. That's how we make him Lord. Amen, 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 amen. So our relationship with God is very much about who's master and who's Lord. Ask yourself that question. Who is Lord over your life? Is God Lord? And I know he is to some extent in all of our lives. But the, the whole reason we have the New Testament scriptures, the very reason that God by the Holy Ghost inspired the apostle Paul, John, James, Peter, to write these epistles, these letters to the church was to give us instruction on how to get further and further away from our past and to get closer and closer into his image and his likeness. You and I are in that process right now of being sanctified. So our relationship with God is about who's master and who's Lord. Is it God? Or is it our desires? Is it our appetites? And when I say appetites, I'm not talking about what kind of pizza you like. I'm talking about appetites, desires, the things that you crave to experience, not just the chocolate sundae. I'm talking about the things that you want to experience in life. They have the capacity to launch us into greatness or to cast us down into destruction. The determining factor is who's Lord over those appetites, who's Lord over those desires? Who is Lord over that drive that's in you? 
Is it for him or is it for you? Every sin, every enemy of God that resides in us will always fall into two categories. It's either going to be about money, wealth, possessions, material things, or it's going to be about appetites. You're, you're serving something. Now, God put those things in the earth, but they're not supposed to rule over us. Come on. They're not supposed to rule over us. We're supposed to rule over them. In the very beginning in Genesis, God gave us dominion. He made, he's Lord, but we're the little lords over everything that's on this earth. The apostle John got a hold of this idea. He realized something. And he wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I'm going to read to you from the paraphrase, passion paraphrase. Don't set the affections of your heart. So we know we have affections in our heart, yes? Don't set them on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. They can't. It's like, 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 like just oil and water. They cannot mix. For all that, is, that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. Those who love to, you know, these, these kind of words should scare us sometimes. I mean, with a holy scare, holy fear. Those who do the will of God live forever. Well, you know, I, I know I'm saved. I said the prayer. I remember many, many years ago when, when, when I was still involved, hands-on, with youth ministry here. I remember going to a, to a young teenager. I hadn't seen him for a while. I said, hey, buddy, I haven't seen you. How you doing? I go, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, last time I was here, I, I said the vow. I said the vow. What, what? Then I realized what he was talking about. He had said the prayer. He had prayed the prayer of salvation. So he thought that was it. That was it. You say the prayer, that's it. You're in. And in a very real sense, that's not 100% false. But then you come across a phrase like this which is in the word, yes? And in this, let me see, 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 is just as anointed as John 3, 16, right? Same Holy Spirit inspired this to be written, right? And the Spirit of God is saying through John the Apostle, those who, who love to do the will of God, who love to do the will of God, I'll say it again, who love to do the will of God, I've got to do the will of God. No, those who love to do the will of God Live forever. Consecration. Consecrate our life unto him. Every once in a while, I gotta take inventory. Did anything slip out from God's control in my life? That's the question we gotta ask ourselves. This is the best time of the year to do it. Lust of the flesh is what he's talking about here. Things that make you feel good, have it. And usually things that, we, that make us feel good having can get us in trouble. Gotta have the new car, gotta have the bigger house, gotta have the new phone. You can't afford to pay for the stuff you have. You want more, you want another one, you want a better one. It gets us in trouble. Lust of the eyes, it's the original method that the devil used. Genesis 1, 6, so when the woman saw, say saw. Saw, saw, saw say saw. saw. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant for the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit ate. So she saw it first. It was something that she saw that attracted. It was something that she saw that made something in here unsettled, dissatisfied. It'll be careful what you're looking at. Be careful 
what you're observing. Be careful where you make your eyes go. Be careful. Don't be one of those people, like I know nobody in here is probably this way. Don't be one of those people you like to just ride around and look at other people's big houses. And then you go home to your little three-bedroom ranch. And now all of a sudden, what's something that you saw made you dissatisfied? Amen? And say, was pastor, is it wrong to believe for, for, for better? And for, no, it's not. But when it becomes an obsession, and when you start envying, and when you start saying stuff like, I wonder what they do to make that kind of money, afford that kind of house, you're setting yourself. I know nobody in here would ever do anything like that. You're setting yourself up. She saw the world knows how this operates. The advertising world understands that strategy. Sex sells. Pornography is gripping our nation like, a, like an epidemic, worse than any disease that's ever attacked this nation. And I wish I could say it wasn't in the church. Don't, don't flinch. Don't move. Don't. The truth is, many households are being enslaved by this deception from the enemy. It all starts out with looking, with looking. So a person who's not content with, with to walk in what God has planned for them, always insistent on their own way, suffer from this, the pride of life, the obsession with status and importance. It's of everything that got Satan expelled from heaven. So we're in part three. We got identify and crucify. Say that with me. Identify and crucify. Now say it like it means something to you. Identify and crucify. Thank God that when he gives us a glimpse of what's really working on the inside, he also gives us the ability, the grace, the empowerment, the supernatural strength to deal with that. And how do we deal with it? You have, well, you know, Pastor, I'm going to come up with a plan, and I'm going to work it myself, and I don't need anybody. You're fooling yourself. To identify and crucify. You identify because the Holy Spirit sheds light and goes, you see this thing? I've been telling you for years to stop this. I've been telling you for years to put this away. I've been telling you for years, unplug the computer. I've been telling you for years. You identify it. How do you crucify it? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm you, know, uh, you know, Pastor, I'm pretty strong. When I put my head, you know, I put my mind to doing something, you're a fool. You're setting yourself up for, for, for failure and for destruction. Only the grace of God can empower you. So you've got to identify and crucify. How you crucify? You put it on the cross with Jesus. Galatians chapter 5. Let's do some identifying. Let's do some identifying. How many of you want to identify some things tonight? Okay. I, I can see you're real excited. All right. How many of you this weekend want the Holy Spirit to shine some light on some things? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say that, the Apostle Paul writing, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the desires of that appetite. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. You're never gonna be able to get God bless something that is harmful for you. Well, you know, I thought, I thought God's going to kind of give me the desire in my heart. You know, desire in my heart is to go party. Desire in my heart is to go sleep around with anybody I want. Honey, you better check your heart. How do you think God's going to bless something that he put his son on the cross to free you from? 
Yet so many foolish believers, so many foolish Christians today. Well, you know, I'm under grace. What does that mean? You're under grace. Did you just do anything you want? Jesus died to set you free. How does that, well, how do you think, let, let's just get real practical here. How do you think that would make him feel? If you want to entertain, if you want to feed, if you want to live in a lifestyle that he died on the cross to set you free from, how would you feel if it was you? And listen to me, he wants what he died for. He died for all of us. He didn't die for one part of us. He died for all of us. He died for me, spirit, soul, and body. And like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he wants my spirit, my soul, and my body preserved blameless for when he shows up. Are you catching this? Glad you came this weekend. So let's get the light out. Verse 14, or what is that, 18? 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are. The works of the flesh are evident, which are. We're going to do some identifying, okay? Just be real quiet. None of us will know. Just, just be real quiet. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all sexual sins. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Some people are saying, I didn't know this stuff was in the Bible. Right here. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. If, in, if in other words, if you didn't find yours in there, because <laughs> you went, no, he says, and the like. <laughs> Anything that is contrary to the will of God. And of the like, of which I tell you be- beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, look at this. We like to joke, we like to laugh, but this is serious. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's scary. That's scary. Thank God that he deals with us. Thank God that he doesn't just let us keep floating along in our conduct. Thank God that every once in a while he, he kind of pulls back and says, whoa, 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 what are you doing here? Do you realize, where you, you realize how you're drifting? Do you realize where you're heading? Do you realize... How off track you are. Now, contrary to these deeds of the flesh, actions of the flesh, evidence that we're in the flesh, we have the fruit of the Spirit. With love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's, are you Christ's? Are you Christ? Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Consecration, distancing yourself and your old self and becoming more and more like Jesus in personality and character. Colossians chapter three, just throwing it out there. You just take, you, you just grab onto what you know. Oh man, I got nailed. I got identified here. And then we're gonna take it and bring it to the throne of grace, amen? Colossians chapter three. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor as God's right hand, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. See, it always starts here, it always starts here. Go like this, put your hand over here, say it always starts here. 
It always starts in the mind. Everything starts in the mind. If you can get a hold of it here, you won't have to deal with it outside. Amen? Think about things of heaven, not the things of the earth. For you died to this life, and so much your spirit. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, because of everything we just read, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Lurking. Oh, not me, Pastor. I, I don't sin anymore. You just did. You lied. <laughs> lurking. I just, I see like, I see like, the, when I hear that word lurking in the context, I just see this evil serpent, this thing that, that's still there. It's still there. The desire is still there. The craving is still there. He's saying, get a hold of this. Put to death the sinful earthly things still lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Here we go again. It always starts out with sexual stuff. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Here comes the money. Here comes the possessions. Here comes the material. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worship in the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. And I know one other translation that I believe is, is very accurate says, coming upon the sons of disobedience, but you are no longer a son or a daughter of disobedience. But when we conduct ourselves like one, the punishment that comes on then, you can suffer too. Oh, it got serious here, didn't it? You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Everything I listed in Colossians chapter 3, everything I listed in Galatians chapter 5 are enemies of God. Are we harboring enemies of God? Are we feeding enemies of God? Are we keeping this secret little life somewhere that we secretly indulge in and we're feeding and we're giving support and we're empowering an enemy of God? God wants his enemies dethroned in our lives. Our heart is supposed to be his throne. Amen? Here's a key. The word submission, I know it's, it's difficult sometimes, even for Christians to, to mouth that, to form that word. Let's just practice it, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Submission. Now, now some of you went, submission. Now, let's say it like it's a friend, like it's a good thing, because it is. One, two, three. Submission. What is submission? Submission is the ranking under authority. Let me, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it this way. No kingdom can operate without submission. When you have individuals in a kingdom that refuse to operate in submission, in other words, they refuse to rank themselves under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's our Lord, right? Amen. 
He is the Lord of the kingdom. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So you, you and I are little kings, little lords under his submission, under his authority. When a person refuses to submit under the authority of the kingdom, I'm not talking about the authority to people, I'm talking about under the authority of the kingdom, there is a word for a person that refuses to submit in authority. And that word is rebel. Rebel. Is there a part, I want you to just ask yourself this question. I've had to ask myself this question. I don't like to ask myself this question no more than you like to ask yourself this question. Is there an area in my life that is in rebellion to the kingdom of God? It's a serious thing to be in rebellion to a king. It's a serious thing. A kingdom cannot successfully operate. A person cannot reap the benefits of being in a kingdom. You know, we have a tendency to think about kings and we think about emperors and we think about uh, princes and we always think about them in a negative context. But you know, throughout history, there has been good kings. There have been good rulers, good emperors. There were people who were godly and they listened to the wisdom of God and they employed the wisdom of God in the way they, they ruled over their kingdoms and people were blessed and they benefited and they prospered and they were protected. They didn't have to worry about enemies attacking them. Why? I got a good king there in that palace. There's a good king who cares for me. He makes sure my needs are met. He makes sure that I'm protected. All throughout history, there have been kings like that. Of course, not 100% perfect, but not every, of them, not every one of them has been evil. But when a person pulls them out, themselves out from under that authority and begins to act in rebellion, they can't possibly reap the benefits of that kingdom. Am I right? Why would they? They're not, they're not walking in line. They're not conducting themselves the way they should. And so the kingdom of God operates very much that way. Now, listen, there's one big difference, though. God does not withhold the blessings when you get out of line. You forfeit the blessing because you got yourself out of line. So if there's an error in your life that's been in rebellion to God, to the kingdom of God, dear Lord, for your own sake, for the sake of your spouse, for the sake of your family, for the sake of the people that you're in relationship with, get that area back under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're missing out on the blessings that, that you could be enjoying. Is anybody getting this? This is for our good. This is for our benefit. God has established principles. He has released his blessing, has released grace upon our lives. But if the grace is coming here, the blessing is coming here, and you're over here, I don't know why God's doing this to me. God ain't doing nothing to you. God is right where he always been. The blessings are still flowing. Get out, get out from where you are. Get out of the rebellion. Get out of the weeds. And get back under that place of flow, that blessing. Let me tell you something. We all know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. If you've been a Christian for more than 24 hours, you know that there is something, there is a settledness in our soul. There is a stability that we sense when we know I'm with him. 
as best to my knowledge, I'm, I've gotten all these areas that have been spinning out of control. And now I've said, Lord, forgive me. Here, I, I want your lordship over this area. And I want your lordship over this. But I want your lordship over me, spirit, soul, and body. There is a settledness that comes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a stability. You know, you know, there's, there's almost like you, you got this nice fluffy, you know, those nice, you know, when you go to a decent hotel, sometimes they have those bathrobes there. And you know they got in there because they want you to take it so they could charge you for it. And you put that bathrobe on, you're like, oh. It's that same feeling. It's that same sense of shalom, peace, completeness, wholeness, nothing broken, nothing missing. It's for our benefit. And listen to me. In case you think that God is in the business of consecration just for himself. Sometimes maybe some of us entertain this thought that God's just got a big ego that he just wants to know, I got you under my thumb. I got you right here under my thumb. And every once in a while, you think that he just pulls the rain back in your life because he can. No, listen to me. I picked up on something this past week. I started thinking about, see, see I've been a history student all my life. I love to study history, but I really love to study biblical history. So I'm sitting and I'm, I'm sitting at my desk at home and I'm, I'm just like kind of meditating. I'm thinking about consecration, consecration, consecration. And see, usually the word that's used more in the Bible that means the same thing is sanctify. And I started thinking about the word sanctify, sanctify. And all of a sudden I heard. Now I can't say it was anybody in the room. I heard on the inside sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord's going to do wonders in your midst. And I went, Joshua. And then I started thinking about when they were ready to leave Egypt, the blood of the lambs that they slaughtered on that first Passover. God said to them, take that blood and put it on the doorposts and put it on the lentils. And what do you do? If you do that, what do you do that? If you put blood on the doorposts and on the lentil, you've got blood and blood. They were under the cross and they didn't even realize it. 1,500 years before Jesus showed up on the scene, God was speaking to them about sanctifying them and put him by the blood, we're sanctified. And by the blood, he sanctified the nation of Israel so that when the angel of death would come, it could not attack them. So listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I gotta go through this fast. Listen to me. When God starts tugging on your heart to consecrate an area of your life, he is setting you up for a supernatural miracle. Joshua chapter three, verse five. This 40 years later, 40 years after they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, 40 years after God sanctified them with the blood so that when the angel of death came, he could not affect them. 40 years later, Joshua 3, 5. And Joshua said to the people, watch this now, under the inspiration of God, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant. You guys know what the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant was that golden box that, that God had instructed them to build. He said, my presence will be above that thing between the angels. He said, take the Ark of the Covenant, cross over the Jordan, cross over that river, Cross the first, they had to cross over the Red Sea. When they crossed over the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea. But when it came to the Jordan, he said to them, tell the priests to take the ark 
and put themselves in the middle of the river. And the Bible says that when the priests put their feet in the water, now what happened? They had to put their feet in the water. They had to do what? They had to cooperate. He said, when the priests, as they started to go, as soon as the priest's foot touched that water, it started to part. And they walked across. But what did they have to do first? Sanctify themselves. Before they crossed the Red Sea, what did they have to do? Sanctify themselves. John chapter 17. Whenever God is getting ready to do something spectacular, it always involves consecration and sanctification. Listen to this. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to purchase our salvation. He's getting ready to reconcile us back to the Father. And he prays a prayer for us. John 17, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. As for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. What happened just before Jesus went to the cross and purchased our salvation? Sanctification, consecration. It pulls us away from sin and, and, and the world and everything that can, can stumble us, and it prepares us for what God's going to do next. Consecration connects us to the lifeline of the Holy Spirit in intimacy with God. You can't have intimacy with God without having consecration. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't be off, get, get obsessed with this thing, lusting after that thing, craving after this thing, all the other things, obsessed with status, obsessed with career, obsessed with all this stuff, and still have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. No more than you could act that way in a relationship with a spouse and expect that spouse to have intimacy with you. You're all over the place. All over the place. Got affection for everything else. Got time for everything else. Got attention for everything else. It doesn't work any different when it comes to our relationship with God. Now, he still loves us. He's still waiting there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The problem is not on his end. The problem is on our end. Who's your Lord? Who's your master? Who's calling the shots? Who is, deter who is the determining factor or what is the determining factor in your life about how you spend your time, how you spend your money? What does your money do? Is it, is it just yours? Is it just, is it just there for you? Or are you, a, are you a fountain? Are you, a, are, you just, are you just a pipeline that God is using to just shoo, 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 shoo? Is your money free to flow? Or is it like, this is mine. You don't understand, this is mine. You don't know how hard I worked for this. If, you, if God didn't give you the breath and God didn't give you the strength and God didn't give you the mind that it took to do your job, you would have nothing. You and I will never know the true worth and value until we consecrate ourselves unto God. It's only in his light that we, ourselves, we see ourselves in who we really are. The only way, the only way, consecration, consecration. Let him draw you. Let him pull on your heart. Let him show you the things that have gotten a hold of you and starting to make you cold, starting to make you hard-hearted. 
So I said, let me give you one. Let me, let me just throw this out at you. When was the last time? I'm not saying this is mandatory. It's not. When was the last time you actually cried in the presence of God because your heart was so touched by him? When was the last time that you were just so, all you want to do was just spend time with God? When was the last time that you, that maybe you got into worship, whether it's in service or whether it's home? When was the last time you got into worship and you got so caught up in just worshiping God, you don't even know where you were, didn't realize how much time passed? When was the last time you came to church because you wanted to? Not because you felt like I have to. Because you know, you know, Pastor, when I don't come to church, I'm just miserable because I feel so guilty. That is not a reason to come to church. That is not a reason to have a relationship with God. It's for us to come together and worship him together like family, to experience his response to our worship, his presence. Please put aside everything. Kick aside every stumbling block. Ask him for the power and the grace to break chains of cycles that you keep going through. If you ask him in faith, and if you cooperate with him, you'll, you'll rise to a different level in your relationship with God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.